Welcome to the podcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. How do you balance public safety and neighborhood quality of life concerns with support for the most marginalized people in a community, those suffering from addiction, homelessness, and mental illness? Those issues have exploded into public view in recent days in the area of Boston that's become known as Methadone Mile because of the concentration of drug treatment centers there. The area where the city's South End, Roxbury, and Dorchester neighborhoods meet has long been a gathering place for the homeless and those dealing with drug addiction. But earlier this month, when a corrections officer driving to work at the nearby South Bay House of Correction was attacked by a group of people gathered on the street, the response was swift. Police carried out several sweeps of the area, arresting more than two dozen people on various charges and outstanding warrants. Advocates for the homeless have decried the sweeps, especially the most recent one, in which several wheelchairs used by people gathered on the streets were tossed into a city garbage truck and crushed. Some area residents, meanwhile, wonder why it took an attack on a law enforcement officer to have their longstanding complaints about activity in the area taken seriously. Here to help us sort through the complicated issues that all of this has raised is State Representative Liz Miranda. She represents the 5th Suffolk District, which includes sections of Dorchester, as well as the area of Roxbury adjacent to the jail and the streets around Boston Medical Center where the problems have occurred. Welcome, Representative Miranda. Good afternoon. And also joining us is Yawu Miller. He is senior editor at the Bay State Banner and wrote a piece in the paper's current issue on the police crackdown and broader concerns in the surrounding neighborhoods. Yawu, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, so Representative Miranda, uh, these issues ha- are not really new to the area, mm-hmm. and um, they've sort of uh, been thrust into the news uh, because of this incident that occurred recently with a with a corrections officer and an attack there, but sort of just help us understand sort of how you see the the situation there, sort of the long view of of what's been what been the problems there, uh, and 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 how have we been sort of facing them until now? Well, thank you, and I, I wanted to start that this is you know uh, I represent um, Newmarket to parts of Fields Corner. I've lived in the Fifth Suffolk District, which I now get to legislate for and with, uh, which is quite an honor. And we in this community have always been a vulnerable, under-resourced community. And I think I want to start from a place of understanding that the residents, um, for every issue, environmental injustice, food injustice, you could talk about housing, economic disinvestment, um, have always, gun violence, have always sort of shared um, their need to want to be in this community and get help. Uh, what we found is after the bridge was closed, what we saw was You're talking about now just the, the Long bridge Island. to Long Island, which, which yeah. is where the city's uh, 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 homeless shelters and drug treatment centers had been based. Yeah, so it was a remarkable, almost like an insurgence, um, what we saw a couple years ago, and particularly in the Mass Ave corridor. And I am one of those people that will never call this place methadone Mayo. I think we need to acknowledge that lots of people get methadone and their recovery and go to work and they're great citizens and there's a few people that are sort of have nowhere to go and therefore I often refer it to mass and cast. Mm-hmm. But what we saw was that the community immediately started speaking about Clifford Playground, um, the Mason School, Orchard Garden School. Uh, there was a large presence of homeless people in parks. Um, there were streets like Pompeii Street uh, that residents have now have gates on their properties because uh, so many folks were using their homes or their front stoops or backyards for other stuff. And so what we have is a community that's been speaking up pretty loudly for the last couple of years saying, um, we need help. We need help. This is a statewide problem. 
Boston cannot solve this alone. And what we see is that people need help. So public health and public safety have to work closely together. The community has been out crying. They did not like what happened with Operation Clean Sweep. They felt that people do need still dignity mm -hmm. um, and compassion in their recovery. Um, but what they found was that they felt undervalued again. When the crap, crack epidemic happened in our community, uh, it was visceral and no one helped. And people felt like, here we are talking about recovery, but it's of another name or another face. So those are some of the things that I've been hearing about even before I was elected um, to become a champion for, to figure out how we can do a balanced approach to keep people safe, keep a high quality of life, but get people the help they need. And I mean, that, that sort of word balance is the one that seems to keep coming up in the conversation. And I've talked to some city officials who also say that that's been their goal is this very difficult balance to strike between sort of regard for public safety and concerns of people, residents of the area, but also balancing that with, with compassion and, you know, what people, I think, would like to think is kind of a newfound sort of appreciation for issues around addiction and homelessness. Um, so, I mean, what, what is it that you found, Yahoo, in, in sort of reporting out this story, uh, the tensions in sort of trying to maintain that balance? Pretty much everybody I spoke with had that that sense of we, people need to be taken care of, people are, who are struggling with addiction need access to services, and you know the, the the there's a sense among many people that it's become intolerable. Um, so for you know the law enforcement in in this in the Suffolk County uh, uh, jail, um, the beating of of the uh, corrections officer was um, was intolerable, but for people who live in many of the surrounding streets and, uh, you know, people who, who are in Dudley Square, um, not everybody who's addicted uh, wants to get help right away. And you're dealing with a population um, that, you know, oftentimes, the, you know, there's rowdy behavior, there's prostitution, um, people relieving themselves in in um, in your front yard or backyard, and uh, you know it's it's um, it's gotten to a point where you know in, it, it's been at a at a point where people are really struggling with it, and so seeing the the the, the rapid response to the uh, corrections officer, um, versus you know and looking that at that in uh, contrast to the sort of you know years long struggle that people have had, you know, to get resources, to get help, um, you know, and, and it's still not happened to their satisfaction, um, it, should, it, it did kind of show like a discrepancy. Right, and you wrote about that, that um, in particular, as people may have read over the years about the issue at the Orchard Gardens K-8 school, which is very nearby here, where teachers, uh, parents, students themselves have been active for a number of years in trying to call out uh, concerns about, uh, I mean, the most severe, severe worrisome are, you know, discarded needles being found on the playground, uh, but also just sort of activity of folks from this area coming, spilling over, congregating on the school, school grounds, and that they feel like they've, you know, it sounded from your article like there was a sense that some of those concerns have to some degree sort of fallen, had fallen on deaf ears until suddenly there was an incident involving uh, the law enforcement officer. So on the one hand, it seems like people are sort of glad that finally the city's taking note of it, but there's a little bit of an issue uh, that they have with, with, with what it took for that to finally happen, it sounds like. Right. I mean, if, if a child is pricked with a needle once, 
you would think there would be, you know, a reaction that this can't happen again. And it's happened more than more than twice. So, um, you know, the the city has responded. There's a needle kiosk in front of the close to the front of the school. Um, but, you know, people are still using the school grounds uh, to inject drugs and discarding their needles in the wood chips where the kids play. And it's made it dangerous for the children, you know, in the school to not only to, you know, play at the school grounds, but just to walk around there. And, you know, for everybody who walks along Melnia Cass Boulevard, there's disc discarded needles in the grass. It just, it doesn't make, I mean, it doesn't make me feel comfortable walking there as a reporter trying to document all this stuff. I'm sort of like on, on pins and needles, you know. Yeah, and I would say for the Orchard Garden School, the Mason School as well, um, you have a situation where a park, a public space isn't safe, um, and kids are not allowed to play. So we know that if kids are trapped in sort of a school building all day, and then when they go outside, if they're seeing people OD, um, if they're seeing people engage in activities that, you know, you don't want them to see, um, it's happening all over the corridor. And, I, you know, I just want to say something that because I – I'm a state representative. I've talked to a lot of my colleagues about this. I feel like nimbyism has gotten to a point where people, it's beyond backyards now, it's not my town, not my city. Mm. And there's a clear saturation of services at this corner that I don't see another city or town or even another neighborhood being able to withstand it. We have a prison, we have a bio lab, we have multiple methadone clinics, we have a hospital, we have multiple shelters, we have multiple sober homes, some that are registered with the Commonwealth, some that are not, all concentrated in a community that's already struggling, a working class, uh, poor community. And what we found is that it's hard to say that the response wasn't because of the sort of value on the life of a, a correction officer. I, w I was so saddened for him and wish him a speedy recovery. I talked to the sheriff a lot about this. We've talked about the struggle of it being on the highway, then on Atkinson Street. Since Operation Clean Sweep, it's actually pushed further into Dudley Square, but also into the neighboring streets off of Massachusetts what you, Avenue. What, what's pushed further? Um, so people, people, um, have dispersed, people have dispersed, and you can't criminalize your way out of this, can't arrest your way out of this, and you certainly cannot push your way out of this, right? You can't just remove them from one corner to another corner. And I'm really imploring on all of the elected officials um, and other agencies in the business community, too. They play a role. New Market has 350 businesses. They care deeply about this issue. Um, they want their workers to get to work safe. Uh, they want to be able to do business there, and people don't want to come there. Um, people are not using modes of public transportation because they feel unsafe. And so it, when you wrote the article and other people wrote the article, people felt, well, doesn't my life matter too? Um, you know, we understand that the correction officer was hurt, but there have been other stories of people being robbed um, and feeling unsafe in that community as well. Right. You wonder whether if the kids wore uniforms, like uh, like like police uniforms, and would they would they be given, like, greater deference, you know? Right, and I do believe that the city... Um, understood this and understands that they can't arrest their way out of it. But when you when you are dealing with a delicate relationship between public safety and public health, which often has worked in isolation, um, this is what's causing some of these sort of attributes or levers being pulled. I do not believe in criminalizing um, people who are not mentally well or who are addicted. I don't think anybody who lives in that community, particularly black and brown people who have seen the face change 
of the addiction problem. That's something that I think we should also highlight is that when it first started, um, people in the neighborhood would talk often that they mostly looked like they were from out of other communities. And basically what that meant was that there was more whites (laughs) on the corner of Mass and Cass. And it's clearly become more of a brown issue. And so when uh, folks chose a, a rest of some of the people there, the community was like, wait a minute, did it... Did you guys wait till the face of this epidemic of historic proportion change for you to choose another method or strategy? Mm-hmm. And you wrote uh, on a Facebook post, yes. which which Yahoo uh, quotes from in his in his story in the Banner uh, about I mean this sort of question about the fact that this is a statewide problem, but these services and and this issue is really concentrated in this one little corridor or area of Boston, and and you sort of talked in your post about the issues of, you said, nimbyism, structural racism, and the saturation of facilities in a particular area that's mainly a poor working class and, uh, and community of color. And uh, you said it's, just, uh, it's not just, just equitable, humane, uh, nor, nor does it work. Um, at the same time, you wrote, these are, these, uh, are people that are suffering are our children, too, and, and, but the residents suffer. So, I mean, but there, but there does seem like there's this concern about um, this area sort of bearing a disproportionate burden in terms of, of these. Well, so it's like not a nimbyism that you don't <laughs> want to have treatment or take care of it, but it's a question of, you know, if, if, if the neighborhood and community is willing to sort of have its share of those kind of services, the question is, you know, what's a fair share? And of this it? new market in Roxbury community has said we've We've done our fair share. I mean, right. this has been a welcoming community. When the mosque couldn't be built anywhere in New England, it came to Roxbury, right? So we we know that people need help. I don't think anybody in the community said, oh, we can't have a methadone clinic. But when you have four, um, when people are saying, like, you close the bridge down and then they all came to Newmarket Square, did, not, did we not plan out? We have to be proactive. And I think what you've seen with this situation with Operation Clean Sweep is that it feels very reactive right. because at one point, you go to community meetings and it's as divided as you just stated Mm -hmm. folks are like do more officers you guys have not done enough and then on the other side folks are like we need to think about better harm reduction um, strategies that are used in other places and I have to tell you it's not easy Right. right Every day, I wrote some legislation around um, giving some dignity and compassion to people living in public spaces because homelessness is on the rise 14% across the Commonwealth, right, since 2017. That is a sharp increase. And I had neighborhood residents say to me, Liz, you represent us. Why would you write something like that, right? And they're like, we have enough, right? Mm. And I said, well, you still have to give people compassion and dignity even though – we're faced with this crisis, right? And so I don't have all the answers, but what I've been saying to my colleagues is that we have to work together. And I just want to shout out Representative John Santiago, Representative Beal, Representative Hunt. We've actually sat down many times to actually talk about because our districts kind of intertwine. These are sort of the reps. The reps districts that all kind of converge sort yes. of right near or in that area, right? And I've also talked to uh, City Councilor Baker and City Councilor Janey who represent that part of my district and um, City Council President um, Andre, and we've all talked about this. I think what needs to happen now is really, one, make a statement that criminalizing people is not the way to go. 
The second thing is that we need more recovery spaces across the Commonwealth, and we also need more mental health facilities. And homelessness, we're in a housing crisis as well. We can't talk about these issues in isolation. So for me, if we're not going to talk about whole people and whole communities, we're just going to keep putting Band-Aids on problems that then spill into other communities. I want to highlight one place that does it well. Um, Central Square in Cambridge, you know, similar population, people who are homeless, people who are, who are struggling with addiction. You know, there's a healthy sort of police presence there. Um, and, you know, you can tell, you know, you can tell that, you know, that that population is there, but it's sort of, you know, and there are services in that area that, that people, you know, shelters and things in Central Square that have been there since the 1980s. Um, you know, it, it's a, when you looked at all the people who were arrested in Boston during this uh, um, clean sweep, this Operation Clean Sweep, you saw Attleboro, you saw Plymouth, you saw, you know, Brockton and other cities and towns. You didn't see anybody from Cambridge. I mean, if other communities could take care of their populations in, that, in the same way that Cambridge is, then I think the conversation would be very different in Boston. Absolutely. I mean, I think that is... That, that, that point really was uh, brought home. I think if people saw the list of, of the arrests, that they were really scattered throughout was the half, state. There half were, of them were from out of Boston. There were, there were even a few people from out of state. Uh, and so it just kind of raises this question about, about why, why this area has become kind of you know, ground zero for, for, folks, for folks gathering there and, and what should we be doing statewide. So is there a I mean, is there a role for the state to pick up here? Absolutely. And, and you know, I've been in conversation with Chairwoman Decker of the Mental Health Trauma and Addiction Committee in the Commonwealth, and she's um, very interested come September to come into the community to figure out how we can have a listening session and a hearing to really gather the voices of what's happening in this community. I'm hopefully co-hosting or just having the same type of South End meeting that happened a couple nights ago in the Roxbury community. I've always been a champion that you can't not just have the conversation uh, with people who may have means. Uh, you have to have the conversation with the working poor who are saying to you, listen to us, listen to us, listen to us. We own our homes too and we want help too. And so I think the state has to put more resources, financial resources. I think we need to take strategies that are working in other cities and towns and even other countries. Um, we, we've heard a lot about mobile methadone. Um, there's people in my district that feel like um, safe injection sites are the way to go. But the community that mostly doesn't have the same language access may not feel that that's the way to go because they don't feel that... Um, giving people safe spaces. There's just a lot of misinformation that I think that the state can help our communities also understand. Because when this happened in our corner of the world, there was no, I mean, I could just speak in, you know, my mom, we live a block away, right? From where? Um, from Mass and Cass, right? Mm -hmm. This Caverdian enclave community has seen its share of everything. Right. Um, we had a break-in for the first time in 50 years um, in our home, we've always known that our home, our community's been sort of pinged as being dangerous, but we always left our doors open. We knew all of our neighbors, and for my mom to have a break-in while they were home is something that, you know, I have to attend to. That's my family, that she's also my <laughs> constituent. Um, but what we find is that the state has to bring some of the best of the best to this community because, like you said, we're treating people from Taunton, we're treating people from Attleboro, as far as other states even. And I think that the state is willing to do that. I would just say that I have not had a conversation with an elected official 
um, or even the speaker about this issue and then not come back to that we should be thinking about doing something more. I think the other entity that has to be at the table are the, the uh, nonprofits that offer these services as well. Um, you know, I don't know what the thi what yeah. their thinking is and what their calculations are, but you know how sober homes are are um, cited. Um, you know where treat where you know methadone um, is distributed. Like it'd be really interesting hearing from them what go what factors into their decisions. Mm -hmm. So was this sweep? I mean, was that a mistake? Do you think, Representative Miranda, sort of having the police swoop in and? I, you know, I actually think it wasn't okay. I think it was reactive. You think it um, wasn't okay? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that they were pushed to sort of make a decision, but what we found is that you cannot do anything in isolation. Mm -hmm. And I understand police matters are very sensitive, right. um, but we have an issue with criminalization already, and we've done a lot. And they've done a really great job over the last couple of years saying, at least I heard different messaging here, you know, and we want to make sure that the messaging stays the same, that they were at first making sure people got to their help and recovery. They built the engagement center uh, to try. They put more outreach workers in the community to address this. I think that that was the right path. Mm -hmm. I think, have you seen the, the media storm from residents and everyday citizens saying breaking someone's wheelchair wasn't okay? Now, we've right. come to learn that that wheelchair might have had feces and needles in it, but you could have replaced it. Right. And the right. city, actually, at a meeting, uh, the a city official said that that shouldn't have happened. That shouldn't so have happened. So they've actually kind of uh, and take, I do taken believe, note of that. Yeah. And I but do I'm, believe that they're trying to work through that, because I do believe that that was a quick knee-jerk reaction mm -hmm. that could have used more proper planning. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we went from your talking to folks for, for the story, I mean, do is there sort of anger that 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 the city should have seen this coming. I mean, Representative Miranda said that after this closing of the Long Island shelter several, several years ago, there was a pretty pretty uh, uh, quick and immediate surge in activity around here that you know folks might have thought was almost sort of inevitable or, or predictable. And, and I know the city says there's been a lot of planning, that they've got facilities that they got up and running to sort of take the place of those. But the fact is that they went from servicing folks out on this remote area, you know, that sits out in Boston Harbor to suddenly trying to replicate that in some ways right in this in this corridor uh, where a lot of uh, residential neighborhoods converge. I mean, I think there's been resentment building over the last few years, you know, in the Orchard Gardens community and in Dudley Square. Um, last year, you could walk into the bowling building and the bathrooms were open. Which is the main uh, school department, new, <clears throat> right. new, new building in Dudley. And this year, there's, there's a sandwich board sign as you walk into the lobby that says, sorry, no public restrooms. Um, you know, with the Dudley Library, when it was open last year, they had the same issue of people um, injecting drugs in the bathroom stalls and, you know, overdoses as well. Um, so and that, that kind of has a cascading effect, right, when you start not allowing folks into those kind of public spaces, it starts to sort of spiral in a way, at, you know, at the very time that yeah. they're it's trying to build back up that neighborhood, the bowling building was seen as a big marker being put well, down. We already feel for unwelcomed. The, for the that re revival. sends a clear message, you right. know, that sends a clear message. But it's, it's, but I, it's understandable I put it at under, the same time, yeah. right? Yeah, but I put it under the, this is why we can't have nice things umbrella. Exactly, like, you know, yeah. Like that, 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 you know, all of a sudden, you know, you know, when you think about somebody who's struggling with addiction in abstract, you're like, get them services. When their actions start to have an impact on your life, then you know then then it's it's um you know you, you start to think about it in a different way 
um, you know, and, and uh, uh, Council Councillor Janey uh, on Monday, you know, was walking to to pass the uh, uh, Citizens Bank in Dudley Square. Somebody was uh, shooting up on the front steps there, and you know, when she you know asked the people to move on, they just kind of looked at her and smiled. She was shooting cell phone photos of them. There's, you know, among many of the users, there's they don't have a sense. I mean, there, there's a sense that the city at least this corner of the city has turned into an open injection site. Um, and I think people really do resent that. The, the feeling, you know, that you articulated that why is it all in this corner of the neighborhood? And then when you sort of, sh like, pan out to where are the sober homes located and, you know, to a, a smaller degree, you still you have a lot of that activity happening around, you know, sober houses. Um, you know, that's all in Roxbury and Dorchester. Um, so people, yeah, people are definitely feeling like we're shouldering a burden that we didn't create. And I think it was wise for the mayor to um, get to special advisor buddy Christopher to kind of be someone to concentrate because the issue is enormous and it really needed the needed someone that could be a bridge builder between public health, public safety, and all the other departments and nonprofits that are working on this issue because it's all of our issue. You know, when I said all of our children, one of the reasons why I wrote my post was that because my community is so resentful and angry. I wanted to make sure that we didn't change because of something done to us, right? That we have, we are a proud people, we are resilient people, we are people that welcome people. Um, and I wanted to make sure that they understood that people do need help and we can still have a high quality of life. And I just urge, you know, part of coming on here today, because I'm really nervous sometimes, I love radio, but um, being an elected official, I mentioned when I walked in, you know, a year ago, I was campaigning, and the year before that, I was an activist, a youth worker, and a community organizer. And coming into the role of politics has definitely changed because people see me as part of the establishment. Um, but what I try to share with people is that mostly every problem in our community is an and thing. You can't look at it as or. It's not that you win or the other person wins. The art of negotiation is thinking about how do we make sure that the people who live off of Mass Avenue and have great leadership and are listened to, and that there are solutions that don't make them change um, their quality of life, that they don't feel unsafe so they don't walk to Mass Ave. We have South Bay there, we have New Market. If you want people to invest economically into our community, they have to be able to go to these places. So we want to be able to walk without being harassed or seeing something that we don't have any control of. But at the same time, we would love to see some healthy police presence to be able to create de-escalation, right? We want to create those methods instead of criminalization because we don't want more people in our jails that are sick when they need help from other places. Right. On the other hand, this, I mean, the sort of long-term yeah. goal of, A, getting people the help they need, trying to sort of reduce the sort of burden of addiction that is kind of at the root of this is a long-term thing, as yeah. is, uh, I mean, this idea of trying to have have the burden uh, for the problem shouldered more evenly uh, across the state is, is not something that it seems like uh, is yeah. going to sort of be yeah. turned around overnight. And I knew we do need a recovery campus, and I do think we need more beds across the Commonwealth for people to be in long-term care. Right, and of course and that's the city's yeah. goal is yeah. to get the Long Island a facility back going for treatment. That's a whole other story, and there's a big battle going with the city of Quincy that has has made that sort of, you know, people wonder if it's a 
if you will, a bridge too far or if it's going to prove to be a bridge too far. But uh, What I'm curious to hear, I mean, you know, when I asked the mayor what's the long-term plan, right. we talked about treatment. Um, what I'm curious to hear about, though, is what's the long-term plan for, you know, the people who don't want treatment, the people who are, you know, in the middle, in the midst of their addictions and sort of playing out their dramas, you know, on the street. Um, you know, I'd like to hear, li like, city officials articulate, um, this is how we're going to deal with this in the future. Here's how we'll prevent what happened to the corrections officer um, in South Bay from happening again. You know, here's how we'll, we'll keep the kids in Orchard Garden safe. And keep the residents of, that are taxpaying citizens with the same type of energy. You know, right. we want people that live in working class communities or communities that are mostly people of color to say, you know, that we are valued to the same degree that others are. And I, you know, we're going to have a question about when it's going to happen next, not if it's going to happen next, if we don't just be proactive about planning about it. And so I, I, I hear you, and I just want people to know that I've heard them and I'm working as fast and as deeply as I can as a community organizer to kind of bring all different voices together because everyone plays a role. The business community in Newmarket, I went to visit Winston Flowers, just end with this, and he spent 20 minutes, instead of talking about his business, talking about how he's had to create a shuttle to go to Andrew Square. Uh, one of his employees was beaten and robbed. Um, a young, an older man who's worked for him for 30 years for his family can no longer take the bus because the bus stopped. So these are real concerns. And he's saying, you know, I've been a part of this community for three generations. I don't want to leave, but I want to make sure that my workers, who will mostly live within two miles, can go to work safely. And that's a real concern. Well, uh, State Rep Liz Miranda, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. It's an honor. And Yawu Miller from the Bay State Banner. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, this has been another episode of the podcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. I come apart, baby, but never cool. I didn't make it true.